Hi, I'm Connor Svensson, founder of Web3 Labs and your host of the Web3 Innovators podcast, where you'll hear from those folks changing the face of finance and other industries with Web3 and blockchain technologies. Each week, I speak to a new guest who shares insights from their own journey with Web3, giving you a chance to learn about the challenges they've faced along the way and how it's impacting their industry right now and will in the future. If you enjoy this episode, please remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating and review, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. My guest today is Elena Sinelnikova, co-founder of the Metis Network, an Ethereum Layer 2 network. The Metis Network is also providing hybrid roll-ups utilizing both optimistic and ZK technology. She's the co-founder and CEO of CryptoChicks, a women-only educational non-profit community for blockchain and AI. And CryptoChicks' objective is that the number of women working in blockchain and AI grows through hackathons, learning workshops, conferences, and other events. Elena, it's fantastic to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Honor. It's an honor to be here. So crypto, blockchain, or Web3, what pulled you in first? I learned about, like, my friend actually pulled me in to technology. I didn't know much about it. and But when I started reading, I was very captivated by the democratic side of this technology because the decentralization is what I see the power of it. So removing any single points of failure, any central parties and giving power to people, this is what probably you know, empowered me the most. At that time, I even quit my daytime job and started doing blockchain, opened up CryptoChicks startup to educate women about it, just to tell the world about this cool technology. And the, I was going to then ask, what was it that sort of was the catalyst to take you from being interested in this technology to you know, jumping fully into it? And it sounds like CryptoChicks was that first avenue there. And so mm-hmm. what, what's the origin story behind it? How did it get off the ground? I mean, it's clear that it's something that has a, solves a very real problem, but I'd love to dig further into that. So absolutely that it solves the problem. Actually, I mean, the problem that we have in the war with all the, you know, central parties fighting over the power. So that is something that I saw could be helped by this technology. And at that time, I saw the gap as well, that there was not a lot of women in there at all. And all these resources that were available online was not explaining this technology very well. It's actually explaining this in very, very technical terms. And since my education. I'm a software developer and software engineer by the education and I worked as a software engineer for 25 years. I could understand that, but I saw that not a lot of people actually could understand. And I made my mission at that time to explain it to women in very simple terms. And that's why I and my friend Natalie we opened up a CryptoChicks, started as a meetup and then grew bigger, larger, explaining women technology in a simple way. And reflecting back on this kind of journey you've been on this many years since you started CryptoChicks, do you feel like now that there's a more diverse range of people working within Web3 initiatives in part because of the the work that you did there? You know, I want to think that it's because of my work that this diversity now happened. But 
Definitely, absolutely. Since we opened CryptoChicks back in 2016, and when we went to the conferences, there were hardly any women. Probably, you know, one or two women for thousand per set for per thousand people. And now we see when we go to the conferences, we see about like half and half. So it's definitely the picture changed dramatically. There's a lot of women, a lot of women doing great things, a lot of women founders. And yeah, we actually have a CryptoChicks high tree. We also opened up the education for kids. So we are still working on this diversity, bringing more women, not only explaining them, but actually encouraging them, helping them to raise funds and also starting them young into this technology. So I think it's all paid off, but as well, lots of other people that worked on this diversity subject and very successfully. So so now I think we're good with the diversity in a blockchain finally. Yay. That's definitely a good place to be. I mean, I'd certainly love to you know ask, partly from the perspective perspective of a business owner, one of the classic challenges we have is that every time we advertise a role, maybe one in 20 CVs we get from recruiters will be from for female candidates. And it's been, I think the, the challenge we've faced is something that no doubt you've heard echoed time and time again there. But what would be the key advice you could give to business owners or people just hiring generally who really want to ensure that they can reach out to well, just a more diverse pool of candidates and especially where there's a you know, significant gender imbalance, which certainly I think Web3 broadly has addressed a lot. But with software engineering, traditionally, I think there's still those molds there. What would be the, the, the advice you'd give? Well, the advice is, of course, you know, with the women, the specifics probably that they don't go that much into the technical, like very, very technical jobs, even though I don't know why, maybe because they're not as interested in them, but every like business development jobs, marketing, finance, even education. So like each project, they need education. Yeah. Business, of course, the business side and the management side, people management, all that can be filled up with women. And I would encourage employers who are looking to fill in positions to look at the women because like, for example, at the CryptoChicks and at Metis, we have CryptoChicks, it's only women. And Metis, we have, well, at least 50% of our people are women and they work hard. They're good. They're great. You know, I'm very, very amazed and very glad that we hired those women. So my advice, keep trying, go find those women. You can go to CryptoChicks.ca, talk to us, and we can connect you to the women who are looking for jobs. And you mentioned Metis there, and no doubt it's having like a someone who's I've got the engineering chops, help, being one of the founders of the company and being there sort of at the leadership level. I'm sure that's very inspiring as well, which helps there. But let's talk a bit more about Metis. How did the network come about and what's kind of the, I guess, the angle that you're, you're going after there? Layer two is a very hot topic at the moment, and there's a lot of you know competition there, but I'd love to learn the story. Yeah, so we, we moved on, you know, for for CryptoChicks, of course, it would, was uh, very important to close the gap and the diversity gap. But after we succeeded in that, so we wanted to move further and close more gaps. So the gap that we see at that time, that was uh, very high fees on Ethereum. But there was other layer twos, of course, or oh, sorry, layer ones that are emerging. But we believe in Ethereum probably more than into the other layer ones because of the decentralization. And really, really, like I'm very, very big on a decentralization piece. 
but the fees and the speed was not as usable. So it was naturally that we wanted to create the layer two and not only layer two, we also wanted to create a web three economy where people can go create a business, find a job, create a, you know, organization, nonprofit organization, create their own project, fundraise and all in this open and transparent Web3 environment. For that, we needed an infrastructure. So Metis as the layer two solution naturally came into play this idea. And that's where about I also met my other co-founders, Kevin Liu and Yuan Su, and the idea of the Web3 economy and for the layer two solution started coming into life. So now we are over... It's a year and a half that we've been in a space at our Mitis Andromeda working with the transaction processing. Uh, we developed the ecosystem, but we develop also the technology further. We are very, very innovative and we're developing this Web3 part piece for the businesses as well. So we have Econos that taken care for creating the businesses. So they started with the DAO, run your DAO as a business, and then they will be going into the Web2 world, onboarding enterprises and opening them up this Web3 concept and a DAO concept for the Web2. And we also have other pieces, just Nuvo, Nuvo Sphere, another Econo that is doing everything related to reputation power, to account abstraction. And of course, we have the layer two piece, which is the developing further into the hybrid rollup. So all these pieces coming together right now. What do you feel right now is the biggest challenge being the layer two network? Layer two. So all layer twos right now are in development. So there are two types of layer twos right now. It's the optimistic rollups and ZK rollups. They both have a trade-off. So Optimistic rollups, and here is a little educational piece, is the transactions processing in the batches. So basically, instead of processing transactions one by one and saving to layer one, layer two actually capture this transaction, bundle them up in one batch and save the whole batch into the layer one. In this case, all the batch end up on a layer one, secured by layer one, which is Ethereum. And the transaction fee is split between all the transactions in a batch. And of course, the speed is faster. So the speed is 100 times faster and the cost is 100 times lower. So that's what the optimistic rollup does. ZK rollup is another part. It's different. It's actually using the kind of like to the end of user at smoke and mirrors. It's using the uh, mathematical algorithm. It doesn't need to store all the transactions. It can just store the proof that transactions there. And the transaction get, can be calculated from the this mathematical algorithm. The challenges for ZK rollup is the EVM compatibility. So right now, all projects they require to be EVM compatible for so they could easy integrate and easy develop because EVM, Ethereum virtual machine, is the standard right now. So the ZK rollups is kind of like suffering because this EVM is very, very hard to develop on the ZK rollup. Optimistic rollup is suffering right now. EVM is easy for the optimistic rollup, but the security right now is a little bit more like compromised for the rollups because it's only one sequencers. They are centralized. So therefore, there is one single point of failure of the sequencers. And optimistic rollups also relying on the fraud proofs. Fraud proofs, it means that once you save the, this, the batch of transaction on layer one, there is a seven-day window when 
community or anyone can go and check these transactions and say, hey, this transaction is not right and these transactions will be rolled back. So there is a seven-day window. Seven-day window is resulting in withdrawals. So in order to withdraw the money, you have to wait for seven days. So this is not practical, right? So there are these, you know, trade-offs. And also there is the security trade-off because the fraud proof is not incentivized enough. So there's not enough of people that go in and check in for these transactions, basically. So these are the challenges for the roll-ups right now. What we are doing with hybrid roll-up that we're building. So we're closing, kind of closing all the gaps here. So first we're closing the gap for the seven-day window by developing ZK Pro Generator, which automatically will validate transaction momentarily. Finality is momentarily right away. So it means that you don't need to wait the seven-day window. And at the same time, we are developing the network with the parallel sequencers that run by the community. And all the sequencers are competing between themselves when saving transaction as an optimistic roll-up as a batch to layer one. So in, in the case of ZK proof, the transaction is finalized right away, but there is a still a window, which is quite wide. It can be more than seven days when the sequencers that are running can be rewarded or slashed, which is Spanish. So therefore, it closed in the centralization gap. So it's multiple sequencers and it closed in the seven-day window gap, which the transactions will be confirmed momentarily. So that is something that we're working on and that answers your question. So the weaknesses of the roll-ups and how these gaps can be closed. And certainly, as you say, these these seven-day windows for the the challenge periods for uh, these optimistic roll-ups and coupled with the centralized sequences is one of the things that definitely needs to be addressed. Do you feel like uh, you guys are close to having that problem solved with respect to the competition with the sequences or decentralized sequences, so to put it? We started developing uh, this, so this technology is quite a while. It's not straightforward and easy to develop, so we're getting closer there by the day. And so b- before, our plans was not even included the ZK-proof generator, and we wanted to rely on this you know, decentralization of the sequencers. But as we develop, we realized it's going to be not enough for the security perspective and not enough for the finality as well. So this uh, made us, you know, think even further, hire more researchers, scientists, and this hybrid roll-up idea now in the development, this came from our development experience of it. Even the whole space I love it because the whole space is right now, all layer twos are innovating. Uh, We already have successes when layer twos are lowering the cost quite significantly and also speeding up transaction quite significantly. I know it's going to be great. We're going to have awesome technologies developed. We're going to bring so much good into this world. As as, as the saying goes, there's never a dull moment in Web3 and it's certainly the themes you see each year just keep evolving and sucks you in and it's very hard to do anything else once you have gone down that rabbit hole. Okay, so for those people, though, who haven't really got sucked into Web3 and maybe critical about the technology, what advice would you give to them about it in terms of why they should be thinking about it seriously and its implications? Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, people who are not involved in the Web3, they don't need to be involved right now so because all the people that are involved in the Web3, they are the early adopters who are, you know, real believers. 
or people who already made money, lost money, like, you know, on these early adopters. And But the most important and, um, you know, largest group is the builders. So it's those who has this vision. So we know that, that we have a vision. We know that decentralized networks that we're bringing right now is going to bring utility to the world, is going to bring good to the world. It's going to be available for everyone, accessible by everyone, even if you don't have internet you will be able to connect to the blockchain, to this decentralized network. And you will be able to work in an environment that is not led or dependent by any you know, single authority or single party. And it's beyond all the politics, beyond all the wars. So it's going to happen. It's bound to happen. That's why we're developing this technology right now. And people who will be joining us later and enjoying what we develop, it's fine. So they're going to realize it, but maybe later on, not right now. So right now for us, the most important part, it is we have this ability to build. We have the capability. We have great minds that are building and we know that we are bringing good to the world. People need to stay out of the way of the builders and let them build. Yeah, everything will happen naturally. You know, we don't need to attract a new one or, you know, people will come. Like as we develop further, as we develop, you know, new features, new utilities, people will come along. And yeah, we, we see it happening. So we see the adoption is going more and more people are involved. And with each probably iteration of the market of our development, we have more and more people coming. Transactions are growing. So all ecosystem is growing. If you go to the conferences, you, you see conferences as growing. So there are more and more people involved and there will be a moment in time where everybody's going to be involved in this. That's it. And I think it kind of goes back to this idea as well, that there'll be a lot of people who are using it, but don't realize that they're using this technology. And get, get Absolute, absolutely. Same, same as we're using right now, you know, internet, and we don't even know that we're using, oh, we're using a mobile device, but we don't know what technology actually uses. Yeah, exactly like that. Yes. And so when we look to the future, it's always fun to ask people about in a 10 year time horizon, how this technology will have manifested itself in everyday life. What are your thoughts on that? Mm -hmm how I see it, how it will happen. And again, that's probably going to be more transparent for the people like, that they are on a blockchain or so they will not even realize. But even my fridge or my camera or you know, my dishwasher will be able to, to connect to the network and not only be very, very secure. And I know for sure that nobody hacked into it and nobody looking at my camera images. But at the same time, this camera can be connected to any other point in the world without any, you know, fear or risk of hacking. So, so that is the, you know, we're developing security solutions. We're developing the solutions that are accessible by anyone. And for example, if this camera or the fridge is going to be somewhere in Africa where there's no internet connection, you still can connect. So this, this is how it's going to be in the future. And that's what we are developing, this global available network that will not depend on anyone. And that's going to be super, super secure. And so then digging a little bit deeper into the, I suppose, the details there with with Metis Network and say you, you get to that point where the, the network's got significant volumes on it and the technology is very well proven. Beyond that, is there sort of a notion of, say, layer threes for the platform? Or I'm interested to think in terms of your roadmap longer term mm -hmm. as well, because, of course, as you say, there's some very real technical challenges that yourself and the team are working on now that are you know really at the 
forefront of this space. But where do you see it kind of evolving if we hypothetically <laughs> have got to that point where these hybrid roll-ups are there, there's lots of people using the network and yeah, it's, it's widely used there too. Yeah, like for instance, if uh, people will be able to, and it's already happening, will be able to find jobs. So like before we were very, you know, kind of confined to our own jurisdiction, you know, who we hire, how people work right now with the development of the remote work and with the blockchain, it's now possible for people to be hired you know, from any part of the world. So we're hiring people from any continent right now and they all getting, you know, on a payroll. So we will be able to pay them also using the blockchain. That is how it's going to be available for everyone. So I, I mentioned Africa, for example. So we employ lots of people from there and they are already, you know, feeling this change, right? So that can go, they find employment, they work, they feel themselves this, you know, the members of this worldwide global society. And it's developing right now. So our Econode course, if you go to course.io right now, is developing a solution exactly like that for the businesses. So any business can go, plug in into the blockchain, just with one click, hire people, can manage tasks between people and do it all in the open decentralized environment, you know, to have people on the payroll, to have all the, you know, proper insurances, registrations. So everything will be taken care of with chorus. So there is other, for example, other parts, like for example, talking about our Nouveau Econo, so they just integrated BLS technology, BLS wallet, which will allow users to log in with username and password and not, not custodial wallet to the blockchain and to recover their private key as well. So they will be now, so now people will be able to recover the private key before when you go to on the blockchain and you lost your private key, that's it, it's done. So now we're moving further into the usability of the technology. So the same BLS technology is actually allowing businesses to shield their users from the transaction fees, from the gas fees. And that is opening up window for, you know, social networks, for gaming. Like, because if you pay the gas fees in a, every transaction in a game, that's not going to work in open space. But now with this technology, it's the games and social media can be seamless, but at the same time located on a decentralized network. Nobody can ban you. Nobody can block you. And you can, you know, exist in this free environment. So that's things that are already happening. Of course, when we develop more networks, more layer choose, some of them is going to be united. So the TVLs are going to be probably merged and united. So it's, it brings us more capital markets. If we have more capital markets, of course, there will be more possibilities for people to develop economically wise businesses, individuals. Yeah. So I see like, I'm going to say again, it's going to be great, but all in time, of course, it, it is already happening and it's going to be getting better and better. And then certainly when you head to the, the Metis sites, there's the ecosystem and you can see some of the various different projects that are already building on the network and some of the different projects that there are as well that gives you this glimpse into what this future could look like. Uh, exactly. And certainly we need more builders. So we need more people who, like entrepreneurs, who create those ideas, who create those businesses, who go and try and build and make mistakes. And we see in the space right now, there is a lot of projects, but we can always have more and more and more because each project bringing, you know, very unique value proposition. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to the future when we have more of those projects. Absolutely. It's exciting to see how, how it evolves. 
So if people want to learn more about what you're up to, Elena, what's what's the best way for them to do it? Are you active on Twitter, LinkedIn or other platforms? Yeah, so we go, we have Telegram channel is at MitisDAO, M-E-T-I-S-D-A-O. So also Twitter, same thing, MitisDAO, M-E-T-I-S-D-A-O. Our handle and we have a mitis.io, M-E-T-I-S.io website. So yes, and from the website, you can basically find all our channels and everything in there. We're also on LinkedIn. We're basically on every probably social media network that is out there. And uh, yeah, you can also ask us the questions, contact at mitis.io, just send us email. We're answering the questions by email too. We'll include links to all of these items in the show notes as well, so people can easily access them. Elena, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. And just wanted to say thank you for coming on and talking about both Crypto Chicks, which is an incredibly important initiative. And of course, the Metis Network as well, which uh, they're at the bleeding edge of uh, one of the Layer 2 wars. Thank you, Connor. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. I have a quick favour to ask. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to it. Leave a five-star rating and review it. Even if it's just a few words, we'd love to hear from you, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. Until next time.